0: This hour of Boat Talk is made possible in part by Gamble & Hunter sailmakers, making sails for classic boats, cruising boats, and the main windjammers for over 20 years. Near the harbor in Camden, gambleandhunter.net.
1: It's just a few seconds before 10 o'clock, and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 Bangor, and streaming online at weru.org. Boat Talk with hosts Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague is up next.
2: Good morning. It's the uh, second Tuesday of the month, uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. Time for Boat Talk here on Community Radio, WERU-FM, Blue Hill 89.9, 102.9 in Bangor. I'm your one of your rusty anchors, Alan Sprigg. That's Mike Joyce, the handsome one over there. He's the other anchor. Boat Talk is a uh, a, a nautical call-in show where uh, channeling is a matter of course. and. <laughs> You can uh, channel yourself and call in and make any sort of comment or question or any sort of nautical information by calling our toll-free number, 1-866-625-9378. Write that one down. It's kind of hard to remember. 1-866-625-9378. We have a whole raft of things to go through here. We'll let Mike begin out with our
3: little uh, newsworthy items first. Yeah, as as uh, becoming more usual, we have uh, an embarrassment of riches here this morning. We have Dave and Jaja Martin with us up from Bremen, and they wrote a lovely book called Into the Light, A Family's Epic Journey. They uh, took the kids north, wintered in Iceland and Norway, and, you know, just little uh, things nobody does, as I said to Dave. <laughs> And uh, Giffy Full, our uh, esteemed, um, uh, what would you call it, the mature end of the boat talk crew here, legitimate. Um, yeah, Giffy, we hope will be along. He uh, he said he would, but he hasn't showed up yet. So Giffy, uh, hopefully, will walk in at any time. And uh, Alan has a little interview to do, and we best get right at it. Uh, Washburn and Dowdy down to East Booth Bay burned down. They uh, make tugboats down there, steel boats mostly, and they were uh, using a cutting torch, and the wall caught on fire and. The boys thought I had it contained while the fire department got going, and they didn't. And they lost the whole thing, like a $30 million fire down there at Washburn and Dowdy. They are very busy building tugboats and stuff, and they will uh, rebuild as soon as possible, and everybody's trying to do as much as they can to help them. Um, it was a little controversy at first about how how well the fire department responded to that, but everybody's kind of relaxed and understands everybody else's problems now. Uh, and, yeah, being a, a now-retired
2: volunteer firefighter there there's some tense situations when you have a fire but as you say after a few uh, days things sort of do fall into shape
3: it's been the summer of fires besides the uh, big fire down in northeast harbor uh, a couple of boats have burned you know boat yard and and uh northeast harbor yeah you can never be too careful uh, apparently here's a good one um we unfortunately talked about people drowning all the time on boat talk and uh you know, we just got to be honest about what the risks are and and uh, what's happening to who. A fella uh, from Hallowell, uh heard what he thought was a, a noisy bird in the Kennebec River about 4:30 a.m. Uh, so he finally investigated. It turned out to be a guy who had parked his car on a bridge in, in Augusta and jumped 114 feet into the water trying to kill himself. He had uh, floated a mile or so down the river and was was being noisy. Uh, this fella heard him and instead of jumping right into the water to try to save him, which could uh, again put the rescuer in danger, he uh, went and got a fishing pole and with a 25 pound line and a four inch long <laughs> triple treble uh, uh, hook lure, snagged him and carefully fought him to shore <laughs> and was able to save the guy with, as I say, a 25 pound test. The uh, fellow he saved was a little bit bit above the limit of that. So. Yeah,
2: <laughs> could have been a cutthroat fella.
3: That's some good thinking, I thought. And remember on uh, Boat Talk back in February, we talked about some um, ancient tools, seven to ten thousand years old, Stone Age stuff that was. Uh, it came up in a scallop dredge from a shallow spot off of Bass Harbor. Yeah. And we talked about the uh, first people that lived the in red, Maine and the red paint people. Yeah, yes. what their life would have been like and everything. Well, here's an Israeli. Lifeguard swimming along doing a couple laps just off his beach. He sees something glinting down there. He's uh, got a snorkel on. He goes down, and he picks up a a 2,500-year-old disc, which was a talisman, uh, kind of an eye kind of thing that they used to put on boats to ward off evil, and it's fantastically valuable. Mm. And he just spotted a corner of it uh, glimmering out of the sand there, and instead of pocketing it, he is giving it to Israel, which is, you know... Mm. The uh, Stone Age tools are down to Stan Wass's house, not in the Maine State (laughs) (laughs) Museum, but we spoke about that on on Boat Talk, too. That was in the February edition. Um, Let's see, what else? The muscle industry taking it on the chin, Great Eastern Mussel Farms, which has uh, been just a... Yeah, they've been around for a long time. Yeah, they've been uh, founded and and working in Maine for 20-plus years, anyway, uh, more than that, I would say. Uh, Uh, They know the
2: ropes. And they 're still
3: yeah, muscles cultured on ropes, of course that 's the punny one over there, and and uh, they are claiming that increased regulatory challenges, uh, competition from Canadian muscle growers, and rising energy costs. Now, all the muscle growers are not out of business yet, but things are looking hard in the muscle industry. The lobster men, boy, they are they 're catching them this summer, but it 's not really a happy summer for them. Nobody is building a boat this year. Lobster uh, boat building has gone from booming to nothing. Um, Of course, the price of gas is extremely challenging to them. There is a uh, problem getting bait and the price of bait nowadays. And the price of lobster is down. Now, it goes down every summer, but this summer it's down more than usual. Yeah, You know, and uh, good for tourists and bad to be a lobsterman. Here is a a little uh, picture from the Ellsworth American of a sign nailed to a telephone pole in Sorrento. And we've talked before on Boat Talk about the real law of lobstering and then the real law of lobstering. There's your state law, which says that you can get a license and you can lobster anywhere you want. And then there's the real law, which is that it's a very territorial business. You are competing for a common resource, and people get very jealous. And uh, so in times of stress, that factor can't be underestimated. Here's a sign from a telephone pole nailed up in Sorrento, and it's quite large. It says, no part-time or five-trap wannabe, quote, fishermen wanted in Sorrento. It's painted orange. And yeah. uh, it basically says if you're, uh, you know, just sort of uh, five
2: Five traps is the uh, limit for a non-commercial license.
3: Yeah. You know, that's sort of... And if you want to just play it being a lobsterman, now me- now's not the time to be messing around with our, our fishery is what that sign is saying. So... That stuff comes and goes. And here's my personal favorite. Um, if you were on the Boat Talk cruise, you may remember uh, cruising by Sutton's Island just off of Northeast Harbor mm-hmm. where they have that fantastic Osprey that mess, remember? That
2: 90-year-old Osprey mess. Yes, yeah. it's like must be seven feet tall.
3: <laughs> yeah, Sutton's Island's kind of cool. There's uh, no roads there. It's uh, just a summer population. And uh, it took them a couple of years to allow this old fellow there to have a golf cart to get around. They thought that would have ruined their island to have this guy be able to get around on a golf cart, but he does now, and it's just fine. Mm -hmm. And uh, the gathering place on the island is the dock, and specifically down on the dock they have a a garbage can, and it says Sutton's Island on it with the Northeast Harbor zip code, and that's their mail service. And the uh, Cranberry Island uh, uh, boat leaves the mail, in a trash can at Sutton's Island and picks up outgoing mail from the trash can and leaves the, the mail sorted at the Northeast Harbor uh, post office for the Sutton's Island summer people now. An uh, older lady, Sutton Island summer person, complained about the uh, slowness of her service. And that caused the uh, postmaster in uh, Northeast Harbor to call her supervisor. And the supervisor says, you leave the mail where? Where? <laughs> and a trash can? <laughs> yeah. And you cannot leave unsecured mail around in America. That's just a big no-no. So that lady complained about the uh, the uh, rapidity of her service and caused it to be canceled in whole. And, and they took the, the trash can away from the Sutton's Island people. So now they have no mail service. Apparently not. They're mm. working on that right now. Of course, they're crying out that they pay taxes in America and they... They have a right to mail service. They sure. have wireless internet over there, yeah, <laughs> which they get from uh, Little Cranberry, I believe. So
2: their so mail service is post-mortem.
3: Yeah, well, they're uh, still working on, on how that's going to be uh, um, sorted out. But a quaint little Maine custom, hmm. which, uh, you know, uh, got attention called to itself, and now it can't be a quaint little Maine custom anymore. Yeah, so they can that. Because who knows uh, who could leave what kind of, um, you know... Uh, mail on Sutton's Island that would threaten homeland security is the biggest problem nowadays, let alone the, just the security of the mail has always been an issue. Okay. Yeah. So are we ready for the next thing? Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs>
2: um, a lot of people have been discussing the uh, the great number of people from out of state who come here with their boats every summer. And um, a lot of people say, well, geez, you know, I paid sale tax on my boats and excise tax on my boat. And these guys come from away and they're getting the same services basically but not paying any any sales tax or use tax or whatever so the state has been uh, been trying to do some research and uh, they call it surveys on how to uh, get some extra incomes to make a little bit of equity for the people who uh, the in-staters who do pay taxes and the other staters who don't and uh, I have got a uh, tip to go talk to the the um, manager of Great Harbor Marina. It's the large marina in Southwest Harbor, who had uh, several visits from the state tax office last year. And uh, so he, he has a story to tell to, and I recorded it just a few days ago. And then this is Micah Peabody of the Great Harbor Marina talking about a visit from the state tax office.
1: Basically, what Maine has had a law in the books for a long time. Is, it says that if you come to Maine, spend more than 29 days in the state of Maine and you haven't paid sales tax on your boat someplace else and the boat's less than a year old then Maine wants 5% sales tax or if you paid sales tax in another state it's less than 5% Maine wants So this is this is boats that are, come from the United States only? Uh, this is boats no, foreign flag vessels is, is basically what, what they're looking for. It really doesn't affect too many of the boats that are you know, registered in the United States because most of these people have paid, have paid tax somewhere else and so, uh, unbeknownst to us, last summer, six or seven times throughout the course of the summer, we had uh, agents from the Maine Revenue Service coming down to the dock, taking pictures and recording the days and names and registered where the boats are registered uh, on the docks. Going through yearbooks. Uh, well, this winter we didn't know about it. But, I mean, we didn't know that they were coming down and taking pictures. And so, lo and behold, this winter we get a uh, out of the blue we get a subpoena from the state of Maine requesting all our records as to, you know, the boat registry and what, how many days they were sitting on the dock. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we had to, we had, you know, obviously, you know, we fought it tooth and nail, but it yeah. ended up, you know, it's hard to beat the state. So, so
2: some of these boats are fairly large. Just say one is a million-dollar boat. So they have to pay 5% tax on that. 5% tax
1: on that, yeah. And unfortunately, last year, which was the best summer we've ever had at the marina, we were pretty much full all, all season, which is, is, is pretty rare for us. And we had, but we had a lot of new boats. And a lot of big boats that were sitting on the dock and they all got letters from, you know, the state of Maine saying, you know, you you owe 5% sales tax. And maybe it's not the worst thing in the world, but nobody knows about this law. It's not like, you know, anybody was informed about it. You know, I didn't know about it. Certainly the people on the boats didn't know about it. You know, it was just... It's just sneaky tactics is what they were so what about. what did they had to say about it the The boat owners <laughs> oh they're very upset, you know when I came back, you know, because we go to the Caribbean for the winter, but when I came back this spring where normally we're taking reservations, I mean, we spent half of our time just feeling complaints, you know because not only did they send it out to, to boats you know. For just foreign flag boats, but they sent it out to every boat. They sent letters out. Like one time we had the Boston Yacht Club in here and they sent letters to every member of the Boston Yacht Club saying, You may or may not owe five percent. they were only here for two days, but they sent them a letter saying we you know we have records saying that you were moored in Great Harbor Marina for, you know, such and such a date and you may or may not owe The state of Maine, 5% sales tax. And so, you know, the Commodore the Boston Yacht Club emails me and sends me a letter that says, you know, we're never coming back to Maine. You know, what's, you know, why are people snooping on us? Why are people taking pictures of our boat? You know, and of course they're mad at me. They think we had something to do with it, which, you know, obviously. So your your, um, slippage is down this year? Oh, we lost probably $80,000 in business this year. We lost a 130-foot boat that had already signed up for the season. But it was new. And so, you know, I had to tell them, if you're coming to Maine, you know, and you're going to stay more than 29 days and, you know, for a $30 million boat, you know, 5%, it adds up. And so obviously they elected not to come. And we had 113-foot Westport that was the same situation, new boat, decided not to come. And plus we had a lot of all the new boats that were here last year that had signed up to come. We had an 85-foot northern marine that was supposed to come this year, and they got hit by the state of Maine. And so they could come back because they had to pay the tax but they're just not coming back out of spite. they mm-hmm. just upset.
2: So after a boat's a year old, it doesn't
1: have to pay the tax? After it's a year old and it comes to Maine, it can come, you know, after it's a year old or if they spent, if they paid tax somewhere else, then this whole issue is null and void. And it really only affects a, a very small part of our business. It just happens to be, uh, you know, high the, end. the high end. You know, the, the number of boats isn't a lot, but it's just the boats that it does affect are, mm-hmm. are the big ones. And they're the ones that really spend a lot of money. In the town with the yards around here. Of course, you know, all the boat builders are upset about it because, you know, a couple hundred foot plus boats, you know, there's just a steady stream of contractors going, you know, to and fro from the Hinkley Yard to Ellis Yard, you know, they're just There's always people working on these big boats, and, you know, we're obviously fighting this, and we're trying to get the legislature to see a little bit of the light here, and maybe 29 days, it's just, it's not long enough. 90 days, you know, that would be, you know, a lot more reasonable. If some detective work goes on in the state office that they might, you know,
2: track some boat that starts out in Kittery and goes to Falmouth, you know, Every you
1: know, and yep. maybe two or three days at one place. But if they're here for more than 29 days total in the state, in the state, yes. they're going to get a letter. They're going to get a letter. Yeah, if you spend more than 29 days, it doesn't matter if you leave. If you're here for 13, leave for Canada for a couple of days and clear back in, it's it's 29. You know, cumulative days in the state of Maine. Do you know of any other um, marinas that have experienced this also? Uh, I think we were probably the, the test run on the whole thing. Uh, I think they got Millos for a few boats down to Portland a couple of years ago, or uh, maybe last year, but. As far as I know, we seem to be the, the, the one that they've most aggressively pursued. No town docks have ever, or town marines, so, as far as I know, and I've called a lot of them, haven't been affected. Because it certainly, you know, it really hurts the town, it hurts us, you know, everybody that makes a living on the water, you know, is affected by this. And, uh, and stay here because it's it's a real loss to the, to our little town, in Southwest Harbor. Yeah. Well, I can understand per- that wanting to get revenues, but it seems like it's a, uh, a
2: very short-sighted way of going about
1: it. Well, definitely, you know, and it's a, it's a stream of revenue that's that's going to run dry very shortly because people, you know, word is out, we sent letters to all of our customers saying, you know, if you're coming, if you got a new boat, you've been here for 29 days, don't come to Maine unless you're prepared to pay the tax and, you know, I knew I was going to shoot myself in the foot when I wrote it because you know we're we're missing out, but I don't want to be the one. (laughs) We don't want to be the ones responsible for you know a half a million dollar tax bill either. And so, and I think Maine, if Maine would have been up front about it and let people know about this law, it would have been, you know, taking the sting out of it a little bit. But it's just you know, it was pretty underhanded the way they went about enforcing it.
2: Well, that was uh, Micah Peabody of Great Harbor Marina talking about uh, the. To him, surprise, uh, tax attack. And uh, I do believe we have a person from the main Office of Financial Stuff to talk about the, uh, the state's view of just what was going on with this, uh, this survey that they had and uh, how do we do make a little bit more equity among uh, the voters who do use all these services. Stan, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay, Stan Campbell of Maine. Uh, I'll let you say your office name.
4: Uh, main revenue service uh, and i 'm in the compliance division
2: uh-huh. um, you heard the interview with Micah and the the basic premise that he he was a bit upset about his loss of business from what he thought was of an unannounced uh, uh, visit from your office yes, i did um, well then let 's just start out first to distinguish. Um uh, Mike was saying that they get uh, any these boat owners who have uh, not paid tax elsewhere are getting charged a sales tax is that true
4: um actually if if uh and, and like Mike has said if if the a new boat within the first year is um you know docked in maine for thirty days or more um we do uh pursue it to see if if tax is due in the state of maine um if if they had purchased purchased in another state and did pay sales tax to that state um we we honor that uh, we would pick up the difference um, if you know if if they paid less than five percent um, most other states have a higher sales tax rate than we do so if if tax was paid to their resident state then uh, you know there would be be no um, use tax we when we um, have to assess or or bill for the for what is called sales tax, it is deemed use tax. Um, a, a registered seller, uh, a boat dealer, um, automobile dealer, they collect sales tax at the point of sales. Um, anytime you make a um, ta- taxable purchase and do not pay sales tax, then, then it is deemed a use tax that is due, and it's equivalent to the same percentage, 5%.
2: Okay, so you can see Micah's point though some of these boats that come here are many millions of dollars uh he had one that was he said a uh, thirteen million dollar boat, so that tax bill would have been what well, over fifty thousand dollars for for a use fee um that seems a bit extreme too yeah yeah
4: well um you know what we we do get a lot of complaints and tips from uh maine resident boat owners um other marinas, um, you know, that say it's not fair that the Maine resident has to pay the sales tax or the use tax, depending if they, you know, if they bought it out of state and brought it back to Maine. Um, and it, so it puts Maine sellers at a competitive disadvantage. Um, we we have the same issue with towns close to the New Hampshire border. Um, you know, Maine residents can go right across the border in New Hampshire and purchase the same item and save. Five percent. they been not paying the sales tax, um, so you know. Hopefully, uh, these non-residents, if they if they do live in a state that has a sales tax, hopefully they've they've paid the sales tax of that state. Um, you know, we we do find that uh, a lot a lot of these documented vessels. Um, there's no tax paid anywhere, uh, so they'll claim with their resident state that. You know, they they moved it immediately to Maine, um, so there's no tax due to their resident state. So we, we find a lot of that.
3: Stan, uh, the laws the law, taxes are, you know, uh, just as sure as death, I guess. Um yes. But people uh, seem to be surprised here, and I guess the question would be, are you doing anything different this season from your point of view than you do all the time anyway? Uh,
4: no, uh, we... Um... I, I'm aware of uh, this. Been going on for I don't know four or five years, if, if not longer. Um, we this year we've um, contacted already a uh, dozen or so marinas. Um, we do do the whole um, coastline of Maine, um, so we you know we haven't singled out any one marina. And uh, we also get um, documentation from the U.S. Coast Guard. Those are for documented vessels, usually 35 feet long or more. And uh, so, you know, we, we know the purchase date. And, and then if, if it's, you know, the Halen Port states it's in Maine, and then you know, we contact them that there may be a tax that's due. Um, our, our first contact letter is, you know, we do let the, let the taxpayer know that there may or may not be a use tax due.
3: Like uh, flags of convenience, there are hails of convenience, too. Lots of people do register their boats to avoid tax. There's no, no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Correct. Wasn't there a similar thing that happened last year with airplanes?
4: Uh, yeah, I'm, and yeah, we, we have the same issue um, with the airplanes. And uh, there was some legislation um, passed that uh, is exempt in certain size planes, um you know the the other thing is that, and it is the 30, 30 days um in Maine uh you know for the first year of use after purchase um there is an exemption um if if the the uh, airplane or the or the boat is here for repairs um you know there's an exemption for that if it's in you know ported here in Maine for repairs then, then that's exempt
3: um the uh I guess like I say the question comes back down to you're not doing anything um from your point of view that is different from most years, but people do seem to be surprised by this. Um, the idea is I guess not to surprise people and not to discourage tourism into Maine, especially what are obviously very high end tourists. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
4: and, and you know, I um no we're not I, I don't feel we're doing anything different. Um uh just seems though certain years we, we get more exposure than others. Um for whatever reason.
2: You said you already contacted 15 or so marinas this year. By contact, you mean you've actually physically gone down and uh, taken yeah. pictures and notes and that sort of thing? Correct. Okay. Uh, how many did you do last year approximately?
4: Um, we did about the same number last year also. Uh-huh.
2: Fifteen contacts or 15? Uh,
4: well, I, actually, actually it was, it's about a dozen.
2: Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess you must be having some positive results to keep going doing this. You uh, yes,
0: we,
4: yes, we do. And I and um, unfortunately, I I can't give you the revenue numbers because it does get commingled with other use tax that is, you know, um, reported voluntarily, um, and that also gets commingled with the uh, sales tax that's collected from from the main boat dealers.
3: As a uh, main boat builder, uh Alan and I remember very well the luxury tax of a few years back and, and how that quashed uh you know new boat building at the time and, and you know, it comes and goes. Uh, this is a law that's been on the books for quite a while. That's correct, isn't it? Yes it is. Yeah. Well Stan, we thanks for thank you for talking with us this morning. Okay, well thank you. Yeah, and we hope uh you know, the state has plenty of money to spend and, and uh lots of people come here to enjoy the state and Nobody is disconfitted in between. Uh, kind of a tough trick, I would guess.
4: Yeah, it, it is, and uh, you know, it, we uh, we hope for that as well.
3: All right. Good morning, uh,
2: Stan Campbell. You very, Stan. Thank you very much, Stan. Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of a two-sided thing, as they say. You know, you, you do want to have some equity and paying taxes and being able to use the services and not have somebody else, some other fat cat from away, getting everything scot-free. But on the other hand, you know, those high-enders, they do bring in a lot of work. And and, uh, outside uh, jobs, I guess, they go out to eat. They have catered food. They rent cars.
3: My uh, feelings on the subject are maybe less conflicted than they used to be because my uh, former boss has passed on, and I don't have the cognitive dissonance problem I used to have of sitting in the back seat of his jet and going... (laughs) You know, the trickle-down trickle, theory, trickle down theory makes good sense to me when I'm sitting in the back of the boss's jet, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but other than that, I do struggle with the idea, and, uh, you know, uh, apparently there is a free ride because of the golden rule, um, the one that says those that have most of the gold make all the good rules mm. about gold, you know, and, yeah. um, you know, they're able to hide things and, and uh, you know, get away with things that... that Little people maybe don't so
2: yeah. and this is a call-in folks uh, call-in show too if you would like to throw in your nickel it's 1-866-625-9378 yeah
3: and we haven't even got to the business at hand no, this morning haven't. and giffy foe hasn't rolled in so we're we're guessing he had something else going on this morning we'll figure that out later but we have a uh, dave and jaja martin down here from uh, bremen and again they wrote this just delightful book I'd have to I, – I specialize – I'm a reader. I specialize in uh, any book with a boat on the cover, and this is, I think, an all-time classic. I, I enjoy it, not uh, just because of the boatiness of it, but this is a book about life as well, I would say. Um, you know.
5: Yeah, it is. Good morning, Alan, uh, Mike. Thanks for having us up. Yeah, oh,
1: glad to have yeah, you. Yeah,
5: great. No, it's about – it's a book about our lifestyle, and it it started off as a kind of a how-to book on – how to Take a 33-Foot Boat to the Arctic in Preparation. And Nobody needs to know no that, Dave, because to, it's nobody's a, it's a really going to be following it, you. Yeah, and so the, the, any great numbers. So the book kind of morphed into a story. And so we, we didn't tell the publisher. We were changing our mind on how we were going to do the book. So about page 100, it changed into a story. So uh, we finished it, and without telling them, we sent them the story part. And uh, he actually liked it, so he went ahead and we uh, changed yeah. it back into what it is.
2: Now um, I hate to interrupt, but that is being a call-in show, we do have to break for when we get some phone calls, and we do have we do have a two
3: a calls waiting. We have a new sign system in here. I really admire. <laughs> There's none of this waving fingers and shaking head. She wrote out two callers waiting. Good morning, you're on Boat Talk,
6: uh, Alan. Yes. It's Dennis Damon calling. Hi, Dennis.
3: Thank you for coming. Yeah, we'll go back to sure. the tax thing for a minute. Boat tax, sure. kind of a loose thing. Yeah, Dennis, so. Dennis is a Maine state senator.
6: I was listening to your the comments on the boat tax, and I wanted to have a few comments myself, if you've got a minute. Sure. Um, the tax that we have, the use tax, which has been um, described, um, I think it was by uh, Stan Campo, and has been lamented by uh, Michael Peabody, Uh, is, uh, as I understand it, um, a tax that all states who have a sales tax also have a use tax. And so Maine is not unique in that regard. But as I was thinking about collecting this tax either from the boats who are here 29 or more days, or 30 or more days, or the airplanes that come in, I'm thinking that's a short-sighted way to um, try to um, fill our tax coffers. Um, it seems to me to be, uh, from our long-term perspective, counterproductive if it keeps people away. And then I had an opportunity to talk to uh, one of my Senate colleagues who chairs the Taxation Committee, uh, Senator Perry. And he explained to me in a little greater detail why we do this. And so I have a greater understanding and maybe an appreciation for it. Um, But... um, it's, it's designed, as I understand it, primarily to help our in-state businesses, those, those uh, people who uh, produce products that we to uh, sell in Maine and then thus collect the sales tax from them and, and protect them because then people who would be buying that same product outside of the state because of the savings that they can reap, um, that uh, has a negative impact on our business climate. So it is a, a fairly complicated issue more complicated than i thought initially because i again i was saying why do we do this why are we trying to collect money um hitting the home run when in fact what we need to do is put together a rally uh, for our, our future economy but i guess that's my comment on it and I'd be happy to talk with you more about it
3: we were hoping you could simplify things down <laughs> not know. complicate them
6: well i think i would like to in fact uh, One of the things that I did do in the last session was I introduced a bill um, that would remove the sales tax on boats built in Maine in an effort to try to become uh, a little more competitive with, say, a state like Rhode Island. They have had great boat-building success because they have eliminated that sales tax. Um, I recognize the importance of the boat-building industry uh, to our state and certainly to my district, um, but... The, uh, the chair of the committee and ultimately the entire committee on taxation uh, felt that they could not make those kinds of exceptions for a specific segment of our economy. They have worked extremely hard to try to um, restructure our tax codes and uh, came very, very close in, uh, with a uh, almost unanimous report out of their committee, which ultimately failed in the legislature, of, of restructuring our tax codes so that we would lower, for instance, the uh, upper uh, income tax bracket. Reduce that significantly from the current 8.5%. I think their their target was 6%. But in order to do that, there's a loss of money. And if we're running the state and we need money to run the state, how can we, how can we offset that? And their proposal to offset it was to broaden the sales tax base. There's a number, we have one of the narrowest uh, uh, sales tax bases in the country to broaden that sales tax base and to reduce the uh, amount of uh, the percentage paid on those tax. Right now, of course, it's 5%. The proposal was to reduce it some, and that was going to offset uh, some of the other uh, tax favors that we were providing. But, alas, it did not work, and so we must go back at it again. And, uh,
3: again, the thing is, the tax code everybody would just admit terribly complicated. It's a house that keeps getting parts added onto it, and it's all cobbled together for one good reason after another, and and uh, probably will defy our understanding today. But we do thank you for calling and sure, and sure. Uh, offering that. Well, but, it's, it seems to me, Dennis,
2: and maybe you can comment on this too. That it seems like this tax, the sales and use tax, is really basically just a sales tax, and that there ought to be some sort of a use tax that can be applied to these seasonal visitors so they're not getting, you know, especially the high-enders are not getting a ridiculous bill that just turns them away.
6: At my, my thought exactly, Alan, because, that, and you've mentioned it uh, in your commentary uh, on the show, th- these people, these uh, people who are fortunate enough to have the, the $30 million yachts or the airplanes, or they also um, spend a considerable amount of money when they come to our state and to other states, I suppose, that they visit. Uh, and it would seem to be counterproductive to me to uh, have some disincentive for them to come here. We have a, we, and we've worked hard and we take pride in our um, extreme physical beauty and the, call ourselves the vacation land. Um, that's what we're promoting. And then when we do something that's a little bit counterproductive to that, uh, I think we need to look at it carefully. So um, that's, that's really what I had to, uh, to offer on this.
2: Well, I appreciate your, your listening and, and offering that information, Dennis, and I'm, I know we'll be touching I, we, I, would
6: you I would again. Challenge, I would challenge on the air, I don't know if he is listening, I, I advised him of this show, um, our, uh, the Senate Chair of the Taxation Committee, uh, Senator Joe Perry, mm-hmm. um, uh, to also weigh in on this if he's calling in, if he's listening. So uh, thanks, I'll continue to listen.
2: All right, thank you, Dennis. And we do have another call, let's go immediately to that one. Good morning, welcome to Boat Talk.
6: Hi. Good
2: this
0: morning.
2: Ivor. Ivor, Long yeah. Island. Could you turn and it on to your radio behind yeah, you, please? Yeah, I just please? turned it off. Okay. Hey,
0: I was wondering, like, if I go to register a car in my town, I find that, uh, you know, they ask me for the tax, and uh, then I pay it, and uh, then I, you know, drive around in the car, right? Now, let's say I was the most wealthy and influential person in the town, and I said, you know, I pay a lot of taxes here, I, I uh, employ a lot of people, I wonder if you could let me off of this uh, car registration. I don't think it would work in my town, but I don't know. Maybe it does work in the boat building industry.
3: I see your point. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how to comment on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, it's, it's a matter of degree, Ivor, I think, that, that we're talking
2: about here. But, you yeah, know, your point is taken, too.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, I feel like, you know, there are a lot of people who come and visit this, uh, this state or... You know, I mean, we have very real needs in the state. We have, uh, you know, an impending crisis next winter with heating oil and things, and I don't see how uh, not taxing the high-enders would lead them to, uh, you know, if they're not going to drop any money here, I mean, what is the point of them coming here? Uh, sorry, but this, that's the way I see it.
3: No, it's like I was saying to Senator Damon, the uh, tax system is a bunch of carrots and sticks to, you know, uh, provoke uh, good behavior to avoid uh, bad behavior. and uh, cobbled one thing after another and a lot of them will tend finally to contradict each other and, and, uh, how to make any sense of that is kind of beyond me this morning. But yeah, I I understand your point, Ivor, And thank you for calling and making it.
0: Yeah, it just doesn't seem fair. I think, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe in this little area of Maine, it makes sense to have, uh, to let the high enders off, but then there's the rest of Maine where people uh, have to, you know, uh, continue to heat their houses and live and, you know, keep the infrastructure going. And I, I don't see why a 5% tax shouldn't be paid by somebody if they bought the boat in Maine or wherever they bought it.
3: Well, let's go back to basics. Uh, the coast of Maine is the is a destination yachting, uh, a boating place. I mean, if you're going to be boating um, and you can get here, people are going to come here just because of it's special. And um, you got to deal with that fact right there, I guess, from the start. We have a resource People are going to use, and and then how to maximize their use, and and you know what everybody gets out of it is, I guess, the thing. I th- yeah,
0: I think they ought to pay just like everybody else. If I come and I um come to a, go to another state, and they say there's a five percent charge, uh, you know, tax on the lodging or on the uh, meals, I I have to
2: pay it. Well, you're right, Ivor. They shouldn't get it tax free, but. Uh... You know, it's a, it, it, there's a there's a middle ground. I think we're trying to work for here, but we do appreciate your call. We have another caller on the line, so I'm right. going to go to that. Thank you, Ivor. Good morning, welcome to Boat Talk.
7: Good morning. Uh, I was just listening to my good friend Dennis Damon, and when he says I should call, I call. This is uh, Joe Perry, Chair of the Tax Committee.
2: Oh, thank you for calling. Sure. Um, so you heard the comments that David had and uh, Dennis had, and that later on too that we're looking for a little middle ground here but we seem to be hitting some of these high-enders with such a big tax club that they're not even wanting to come back at all
3: joe uh, excuse me for a second i think it might come back to what micah peabody was saying earlier uh it seems that people were surprised by this nobody likes to be surprised by a big tax bill
7: Sure, right. people don't want a tax bill to begin with then to be surprised with one that you're not expecting uh it's adds insult to injury and uh and the day they were subpoenaed, I spoke to him, or, or, or the, I think I actually spoke to the fellow up here in, in uh, Herman uh, their chief financial guy. Uh, they, yeah, they were furious uh, that, that the state had subpoenaed their records. I called the head of Main Revenue. I actually walked down spoke to the governor and uh, the head of economic development about it. And uh, it's a tough situation. It's a tax that, that does seem terribly unfair. Um But there's reasons why we have it, and there's reasons why it's becoming a bigger issue nowadays. And and that reason is the industry is, sorry, my cell phone's ringing, the industry is going state by state and getting states, encouraging them to exempt certain industries, such as airplanes and boats. And so these folks who have been accustomed to coming to Maine now live in a tax-free state, say on say Massachusetts. They, they repealed the, the tax on airplanes. And the folks from Massachusetts who had been coming to Maine all along never had a problem. Massachusetts repeals their sales tax. They continue to come to Maine and come to find out because no tax was paid on that new plane in the first year. Uh, they're subject to a use tax. Uh, Rhode Island and others have repealed the sales tax on boats. And they do that with the idea of trying to steal our business, and it works. And we're left with a situation where people are getting these tax bills, and if we want to compete, we now have to follow suit, repeal the tax, and once again shift the burden off of segments of the business community and onto you and me. And that happens with industry after industry, state by state, and that's what we're facing now.
3: I don't like being at the bottom of the pyramid.
7: Well, that's where we are. Hold everybody up. If, if you and I had, had expensive lobbyists and trade organizations and folks who were in front of these committees day in and day out, maybe we'd stand a better chance. But it all rolls downhill, and it rolls onto you and me. Let me yeah. ask
2: you one one sort of off-the-wall question, Bill, uh, yeah. about the uh, – Stan Campbell, I believe, was mentioned that yeah. uh, t- some states have less than 5% sales tax, and we can uh, – when they come here, we can – Charge them for the difference. Right. What about the other side of the coin? Suppose they had a, built, a boat built in a six percent tax. Can they come to Maine and uh, demand a refund? I <laughs> know. Uh, uh.
7: uh, we, if their tax is equal or greater, no tax is due. If it's less, potentially they would look at the difference. And I can tell you, uh, you know, I don't like this, and I'd like to do away with it. In fact, we, Dennis Damon, sponsored a bill. Particularly for boats built here. This is a conundrum we face. Boats built here in the state of Maine. If you're a Maine resident, you pay tax on it. If you're a non-Maine resident and you you just take your boat and go, there's no tax due. So the people who are getting caught in this are folks who are fortunate enough to be able to spend their summers here on the state of Maine. They buy a boat built in Maine, and because they keep it here more than 30 days, (laughs) a sales tax is due. And they want to claim, well, I'm not a Maine resident. I don't want to pay this tax. So we're looking at cutting a couple of million dollars out of the state budget to fund this tax cut, which doesn't apply to Mainers, doesn't apply to the vast majority of boats that just leave the state. It only applies to summer residents. Now, that seems unfair, but we're caught in this situation. If we don't do it, the summer resident will buy their boat, keep it out of the state for the first year, we lose the potential business of having them there. Maybe they find a place they like to sell as well as Maine, and they don't come back. So it really is a difficult situation. We can't just go and change the tax law without paying for it. and when we pay for it, we're up against uh, maybe two million dollars of funding that goes for in-home care for the elderly. The reason we invest money there has a two-to-one federal match that brings four million more dollars into the state economy, and it helps keep people out of nursing homes. Those are the types of decisions we have to look at.
3: And, in fact, the yachts are connected to the nursing homes <laughs> <And> <laughs> Senator Perry uh, Joe Perry on the phone here is is uh, once again uh like say uh, thank you Den- Dennis Damon. We want it simplified, not complicated, but it is horribly complicated, and that's just uh, that's it, isn't
7: it Well, everything's intertwined and and when you're looking at one specific issue, I don't think you necessarily see the big picture, and quite frankly, I don't think we're having an honest conversation here in the state of Maine about taxes and spending that that every particular interest... <laughs> Just in Maine? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the trend nationwide, that yeah. the loudest interest groups can say, we want no new taxes, we want the budget balance all through cuts, and leave us out of the cuts, fund us completely. And they have, uh, you know, business organizations and trade groups have supporters in the legislature that go along with that. And, it makes, and you know, this whole, I think this stepped-up enforcement came from the tax amnesty program. We told people they could settle their past tax bills for just a tax due, no penalty, and half interest. But part of the deal was uh, we gave some new auditors to step up enforcement so we didn't get into this situation where there was hundreds of millions of dollars of unpaid taxes, and this is probably part of the uh, uh, reaction from amnesty a few years ago.
3: Joe Perry, we uh, thank you for calling this morning, Senator Joe Perry. I don't know if we've made the water any clearer. In fact, I guarantee we haven't, <laughs> but it was good that we talked about it. it.
2: My pleasure. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. you. Thank you, Senator
3: you'll never know uh, what's going to happen on boat talk and and uh, we'll once another, again
2: we do have another call too we do
3: uh, i guess we have to take it one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight, 625 9378 and hopefully we'll get talked to Dave and Jaja Martin here good morning welcome to boat talk
8: hi this is gray you're going you're going to have to take me but not on the chin um uh, <laughs> i just want to add to the murk about the tax thing i one thing that nobody's bringing up is that uh the people who perhaps don't pay a tax on their, on their luxury boat uh, when, they, um, when they buy it in another state, well, perhaps that state has a higher uh, income tax, perhaps has other taxes that make up for the sales tax. You know, pe- people have been calling in and acting as if sales tax were written into the Constitution and that everybody had to pay a sales tax on everything just the same. And, you know, I, I could support a, a nationwide value-added tax that would solve this problem completely. Um, but uh, at the moment, we don't have that system. We have a state's rights system where the states get to decide how they manage their own tax system. And I just think it's... It, regardless of whatever shenanigans may happen with people deciding they're going to buy a boat somewhere else so they don't have to pay sales tax on it and then and then use it in Maine, I really don't think... I, I really think that Maine is trying to pull a fast one by trying to collect what they call a use tax uh, It's really just oh that state isn't charging sales tax well we'll charge we'll we'll get the sales tax if they're not smart enough to charge the sales tax I mean this is really not much of an argument as far as I can tell, and I understand and i'm I'm happy that uh, that this, the state needs those two million dollars is going to use two million dollars to uh, to help people but you know, it's not a, exactly a quid pro quo. The two million dollars could you could say that they were gonna be spent anywhere. They could be spent on the state police or, or the forestry system or anything. We got a lot of need for for two million dollars isn't just going to help old folks. I don't believe this is dedicated one thing. So I think the real problem here is is the fact that we've got so many different tax laws among the states and that uh, both wealthy people who can afford boats and states such as Maine, which are uh, don't have uh, a large um, financial base in their population to tax, they will find any way they can do to pay less taxes or to charge more taxes. And um, it seems a little bit a little bit underhanded for the state to go, go around doing what it's doing, at least the way it's been presented here, both by the, the tax guy and, and the people, the marina guy. At any rate... Thanks. Well, thank you for your comment. Thank Greg. you,
3: Gray. You know what I'm helping this morning? One of our uh, favorite um, compliments we get about Boat Talk is uh, I don't know anything about boats, but I really like Boat Talk, and I'm thinking this morning people uh Maybe somebody thinking, I don't know nothing about tax policy, but I really enjoy this boat talk discussion this morning. So it is uh, thick and, and uh, hard to make up your mind about what's right. But, again, it's it's just out there, and that's what we do. Yeah, hope yeah. it's not too taxing. What do you say we cool things down and head back to the North uh, Well, we North got Bowl. to because we're running out of time here. And yeah. uh, Dave and Jaja Martin come down from Bremen, Bremen this morning. We started to talk about their bo- uh, book, Into the Light. And once again, um, let's start from the beginning. You guys met, and uh, where'd you meet? You and you sailed around for a little bit.
5: Uh, I set off to go around the world alone on my twenty-five foot boat, and
3: um, you run into this beautiful woman here somewhere along the way. <laughs> yeah, it's
5: the way to go. You Good know, luck, I could, buddy. Couldn't find anybody to, know, to go with me, so I'd rather go alone than take someone I don't like. So um, you guys are always asking me, "How do I get my wife to go sailing?" How'd you get your wife to go out? And, So while I was single, she was single, and she hopped on the boat with me. And if she didn't like it, you know, she wouldn't have been going with me in the first place. So it was, you know, know, I tell guys, if you want to get a girl, you know, go to the Caribbean, put on a bathing suit, get a tan. And the girls will come to you. There you and, go. Then you're on your
3: way. There's some.
5: There's His some, Ego
9: is falling out of the room right now. Yeah.
3: There's some <laughs> advice this morning. Yeah, but it worked. So sailed around, <laughs> sailed around the world for about seven years on a Cal 25, which is not much of a boat. No,
5: I rebuilt it though. It was a great boat. It was kind of like a Niagara Falls. Uh, it was all longitudinal stringers and uh, ring frames. I rebuilt it from the uh, keel up.
3: Yeah. Nice. And uh, as you say, uh, there's two things that really uh, made me laugh. One was that this This is not the part that made me laugh, but uh, you traveled the world with uh, a very uh great lack of safety devices like uh, life jackets and fire extinguishers and stuff like that Ooh. but oh, And uh, you say in seven <laughs> years of cruising without uh you know any real safety systems, no electronic navigation sextant mm-hmm. um, you know navigation uh, log uh, you know uh, lead line, the biggest trouble you had was with birth control. <laughs>
9: We always say it took us eight years and three children to make it around the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um,
5: yeah, trying to get away from the, uh, you know, the, the, the bell and the galvanized bucket and all the fire extinguishers and all that stuff. Which I guess you know some people need that, but um, you know it's all risk. And we go sailing to get away from. Prajaj and I get to go sailing to get away from all the bureaucracy and all the rules and all the taxes. And then, you know, people go on their boats, and now they're bringing all the stuff with them, and a little safety blanket and security... Because they don't, you know, want to cut lose too much, and um, we, which is fine. But we go to sea to get away from it, and if we're taking a
2: risk, we take it. So you realize then that the Coast Guard does require you to have certain safety gear. The uh, what's the Coast Guard? I've never. <laughs> <gotten> <laughs> an
3: so anyway, we're it's one thing. now. <laughs> it's one thing to sail around with with um, a uh, uh, what would you call it a well calculated risk, but now you've had some children and uh you'd still like to go sailing and you'd like to bring the children and and again uh if you would notice the cruising community is a little bit older there are people who have been there and done that and are mostly cruising without their children for one thing and so you got this uh 33 uh, foot steel boat a hard chine it means it's uh, constructed with kind of corners instead of it's all round and uh fixed it up while you were working down in North Carolina and bundled the three kids aboard Uh, sail from Florida over to Bermuda with the goal of Iceland in mind for the winter. Yeah, that was Josh's idea. People, (laughs) as I said, people don't go to Iceland for the winter or with the kids, so you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um,
5: It was at the end of the circumnavigation. we thought, uh, what are we going to do next? And Josh just uh, crawled out of the sea one day, swimming on the equator with the boat drifting at two knots and just doing laps around the boat in the middle of the ocean and uh, said,
2: we should go to Iceland. And that—that's one story why we went. <laughs> do the uh, did the warm water spas have anything to do with it? To in Iceland, I know they have a lot. When to we guys. got there, yeah. they had
9: a lot to do with our life. <laughs> <laughs> Before we got there, they, they we didn't really think about that.
2: Oh, really? Okay. But yeah. uh,
9: but safety did. Um, that was a concern when we left for Iceland because sailing in the tropics is a lot different than sailing in the ice. You have different risk and different safety, and that was why we had that steel boat with the hard corners. You know, that's. Um, a boat that you can knock into icebergs and floating ice without um, holing it or compromising the hull in any way. Um, we definitely had a life raft uh, as soon as our kids were born. We had the e too. We had an e perb. I'm not sure if it worked or not, but it was nice. It was orange and pretty, and it looked nice in the corner, so mm-hmm. that inspired the, the confidence. The strobe light
5: worked on most of the time on
9: it. Yeah, the kids had fun playing with that. Yeah.
5: Reassuring, yeah. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Any fire extinguishers yet? Oh, We had a couple. Oh, okay. I think one might have been discharged, you know, but uh, you can kill fish with them because they're nice and heavy. Yeah,
3: But you are, in fact, very careful about your assumption of risk. And, and Well, uh,
5: when you take responsibility upon yourself to be safe on the ocean um you're more likely not to have problems because you've taken. it's like i am responsible for myself if there's a problem i'm responsible for the problems right. and i'm more likely to find solutions than um you know just pull the pin on the EPIRB if if i think i have a problem so i put myself out there and um
9: we, uh, we live our um, life that way on land also, and when our third child was born, you know, she was, we had her by ourselves, we had no medical help or intervention, and it's the same with that decision, is that when you decide to have a baby yourself, you start monitoring yourself, what am I eating, is the f- air I'm breathing fresh, um, how do I feel? And um, once you take that responsibility and risk on yourself, you, you make your life uh, work so that the And the outcome will be a successful one. Because
5: all the safety gear in the world is not going to reduce the odds of encountering gales or having problems. It's maybe a, a bit of a mental crutch. You know, if I have a problem, I have this. The, the conditions aren't going to change regardless of what you take with you to save your life. Right. And, uh, the, a caller wants to know if we have life jackets for the kids. And we do, in fact, use life jackets for the kids. Trying, going to try to make that point that this was we're, a transition. We're into. very facetious and try not to take t- life too seriously. On the 25 foot boat, our kids always wore harnesses that we made ourselves. They were always tied to the boat. We never wore life jackets, but they were always tied on, which is superior because when they fall over, you pull them back, and they're a life jacket. They drift away, and you've got to go find them. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you they, have had them fall over then? Um, only twice. Uh uh-huh. Yeah, but, but at, that
9: was at anchor. But at
5: anchor, not at yeah, they're sea. just horsing around. Probably. Just horsing around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just you being know, kids. we
9: had a a woman emailed us once with a question and she was taking her two very small children to the caribbean and she was asking what can i do to make my children safe on the boat i'm so afraid they're going to fall over they're going to have a problem what can i do so that i can relax and not look after them and worry worry about them and i told her the only reason that your children are going to be safe is because you're worried about them there there's mm. nothing you know they have to be within arm's reach there's at no all magic times.
5: solution is there? Kids fall down yeah. and hit
3: their heads and the skin
5: their knees all
9: the
3: time.
5: Yeah. Yeah, you exactly. Know? And um, I think it's more safe on a boat. And, and we and,
3: grew up without helmets or pads like the kids have and pills <laughs> like the kids have nowadays. Surprised we turned out. Yeah, yeah, I know. Did we? <laughs> we are. Uh, oh, man, we are so running out of time here. Um, we haven't got time for hardly any of the stuff, though. Let's use the gun as, a, as, a, as long as we're talking about safety and stuff. So yeah. You took your kids next to polar bears.
5: Uh, no, we went up there, and the polar bears came next to us. Well, there There's you go. There's a subtle difference, but yeah. you,
3: and you have to address the the potential risk of being near a polar bear, so you get a gun.
5: Yeah, we wanted and to you learn to, how to shoot it. Wanted to go to Spitsbergen, and, and one of the requirements was to have you had you cannot land without a weapon. So we went into a town in northern Norway before we left the coast and asked asked if I could rent a gun in a shop, and she said, "Sure, it's a hundred dollars, and you bring it back in two months." And that was it. I just walked into a store and walked out with a gun. Never fired one in my life had a box of ammunition, and we got up to Spitsbergen and we did target practice and learned how to use a gun. And that was, then the gun broke and I had to put it back together again and, you know, got out the West System and, you know, glued it back. But um, while the gun is
3: being glued back together, here's a polar bear.
5: Swims right behind the boat.
3: Just where you come from. Yeah. With a broken gun.
5: Yep. On the beach shooting, pr- shooting uh, old fishing floats, uh, gun breaks, walk back, launch the dinghy, row back to the boat, fixing the gun, and a, a b- polar bear walks right up where the dinghy was landed and sniffing our footprints and, mm-hmm. and carried on.
3: One of so many stories. We are so running out of time here on Boat Talk this morning. Again, the book is called Into the Light, Dave and Jaja Martin. The book, uh, so much about life as about uh, you know, a boat story. Every chapter is headed with a little piece of philosophy Things like the hardest part of any voyages, leaving. Um, it, uh, uh, never, never say no to adventure.
5: Otherwise, you'll lead a very dull life.
3: Here's one yeah. of my favorites. Paradise <laughs> doesn't have to be warm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, I kind of like to go north myself rather than south. Nothing compares to being in port safe and sound during a storm. I like that one, too. Yeah, Jaja you know? oh, yeah. took Been flying there.
5: lessons when she was a kid, and her instructor said, it's better, better to be down here wishing you were up there than to be up there wishing you were down here. <laughs> or, you
3: know, <laughs> in a story we won't have time to get to, your uh, second winter, I believe, was in Norway. Yeah. And you'd like to stay for a while. Now you're in Norway with a boat. It's dark, and it's no time to go boating. It's the middle of the winter. And, they tell you that your visas will not be accepted, so perhaps you have to leave in a week. And, uh, of course, it didn't turn out that way. You got yourself interviewed by the Norwegian press. and
5: Yeah, we uh, had a, a, a press frenzy. But I guess you have to read the book to, uh, to get the end of that story. Yeah, we only
2: have one minute left. Yeah. So that was if stressful. I could,
5: if I could mention our website uh, sure. where you can buy our book and read more about us, it's uh, www.iceblinksail.com, I-C-E-B-L-I-N-K-S-A-I-L com and um, there's a lot on there.
3: After bragging you up so hard and not uh, really having enough time to talk to you this morning, I got two criticisms. Uh, sure. You, you say about a mountain climbing book that people get to the top of the mountain, there's the end of the book. Well, you didn't uh, tell us in your book how you got home. <laughs> and there's a We're scarcity right of pictures because they're on the Internet. Yeah. And I want them in the book. So yeah, I so can, do we. Uh, paw back yeah. and forth to them. Yeah, you yeah. can uh,
5: contact our publisher at, at setsale.com and... Uh, uh. understood
2: yeah yeah stay tuned for Jim Pahoosh coming up next with on the wing here on community radio WERU FM Blue Hill